Well, we've been doing the series uh, at church called the Book of James, and um, what's amazing about the Book of James is uh, is it's it's a, it's a book of how to be a Christian, how to live your life, and and for many of us, we're like we ask those questions: What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to 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 live a life that that honor and pleases God? And James actually gives us writes this whole book about helping us and what does it mean for us. And we'll be going chapter by chapter by chapter. And today we're on chapter four. If you've missed any any of our series, um, the book of James, you can go back and you can uh, watch it online. You can watch it online. Go to our YouTube channel and look at and look at any one of those um, there, chapter one or chapter two or chapter three. So today we're going to be looking at chapter four. You know, this weekend, this weekend, um, you know, I had some great plans this weekend. And I know you had some great plans this weekend. I'm a coach of the Fraser Under-15s rugby team. So big shout out to all my under fifteen rugby boys. And uh, honestly, I, I, I was looking for my plan this weekend. I was looking forward to watch them play their last game. I was so looking forward. In fact, you had plans this weekend, but our plans were interrupted. Something called COVID interrupted our plans, right? And, we're, and our plans have changed. In fact, this is what the, the book of James chapter 4 talks about. It talks about making plans. And more than that is when we make plans without God. And when we, when we make plans without God, we get frustrated. And the reason we get frustrated is because there's a lack of fulfillment somewhere. And we get angry, right? And we start looking for people to blame. And, and when we, we heard the news that New Zealand was now at level four, for some of us, we started thinking, oh, you know, whose fault is this? It's the government's fault, right? They should have, they should have been a lot more vigilant. It should have been, oh, it's MIQ, right? The staff there, they never did their job. Oh, it's that person who came from Australia. The one who came from Sydney, they flew in, it's their fault. Or, or it's Sydney's, it's Sydney's fault. Right? It's the, the premier. The premier never locked down the state and now New Zealand. You know, we look for all the blame somewhere. We get angry. And the reason being, James talks about that, is the, there's a lack of fulfillment. We're, we're not getting fulfilled. And, and, and James explores this in chapter 4. So let us explore chapter 4 together. So if you've got your Bibles, we've, we do have a virtual Bible, but also we've got the verses for you. So let's have a look at James chapter 4, verse 1. And it reads, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have. So you kill. You covet. Covet means I want what someone else has. You covet but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. James. James hits, hits it on the nose. He's saying the conflict that we have with others. The conflicts that we have with others starts from within. It's this inward conflict that we have. And the reason why we have this inf- inward conflict is because we're lacking in something. We're not being fulfilled. We're, we're not getting fulfillment from somewhere. And so we quarrel with other people because we're not being fulfilled. Somewhere. Our, our, we're not being met. Our fulfillment isn't being met. And husband and wives are fighting because you have not fulfilled me. You have not given me any fulfillment. This is what James is talking about. And he says, what's behind all of this? And, the, and what's behind all of this is the fact that we haven't asked God to fulfill us. We haven't asked God. And that's why he says, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. The level of your prayer life will always determine the level of your spiritual success. The level of your 
prayer life will always determine the, the level of your spiritual success. For many of us, we spend hours complaining. Right? Anybody complain out there? Okay. Sometimes uh, I'm one of the biggest complainers around there. We spend hours and hours complaining and only 30 seconds in prayer. Right? We kind of like look at God as the, the one 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 God. The, the, the God of the emergency God. Hello, one one one. what's your emergency, right? We just, we just, the only time we use God is when we're stuck in an emergency. And, uh, and, and, we, and we look at, and, and that's the problem what James is saying, that, that we've got it all wrong. We've got this all wrong. And it goes on to verse 3. He says, when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Maybe you asked and you didn't receive because you prayed the wrong way. Instead of asking for your relationship with God to fulfill you, you prayed for something else to fulfill you. Right? And for some of us, we, we want the blessings, but we don't want God. Okay, God, bless me. God, give me all the blessings, but I just don't need you, God. Right? I want the blessings without God. That's why James goes on to say in verse 4, You adulterous people. Oh my goodness, that's, that, uh, that's pretty strong words. You adulterous people. Now when you ask the one who can fulfill you for something else to fulfill you, now that's what James means by calling, calling you living adulterous life. Is that, that you're asking God who, can, who will fulfill you, and who will fulfill all your needs for something else to fulfill you. And this is what adultery is. I mean, God can't be intimate with you if you're intimate with something else. Imagine. Imagine if I took my wife out, we, we were out for dinner, we, we're, now, we're, now, we're now in level one, okay? Imagine I took her out for dinner and, um, and, and I said to her, hey, look, Poro, you sit, you sit on this table over here. I'm going to sit on that table over there, okay? I don't, want anyone to, you know, I don't want anybody to know we're together, right? If I did that, there's something wrong with our relationship, uh-huh. right? <laughs> oh, yes, she said, uh-huh. There's something wrong with our relationship and uh, because it's about loyalty, it's about loyalty. Is God included or is God excluded? Excluded. Is God included or is he excluded? Verse 4, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, when, when James says the world, he means a world that wants to, to act independently of God. right? A world that wants to act independently of God. Do you want to act independently of God? Because this is what James means by the world. It's to act independently of God. Now, the people that you are around the most influences you the most. And you know that, right? And uh, if you've got children, you, this is what we say to our kids. Okay, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We say that to our kids. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Because who, the people we hang around the most, we pick up their habits. We pick up their mannerism and their, and their sayings. If you want to get closer with God, hang around with people who are close with God. Now, if you, if, you, if you want to, maybe you wake up one morning, you woke up this morning, you're like, you know, I need to change my life. The life that I'm, I'm living, it needs to change. And, and, um, but if you continue hanging around people with that lifestyle, guess what? Your life isn't going to change. You need to take action. You need to change the way that you act. See, God isn't telling us to leave the world. He's not saying, that's not what I mean. That's not what James means. James doesn't mean you must isolate yourself. Go live in some commune somewhere where we can protect ourselves from the outside. That's not, 
That's not what James means, and that's not what God means either. He wants us to be like fish in salty water. Fish can swim in salty water, but come out not tasting salty. Right? You notice that. You've gone fishing before. You know, you, you know, if, if, you're, if, if you're like me, you add the salt. Put some lemon on there, add some salt. Man, anybody hungry right now? I'm pretty hungry right now. Okay. But that, so what God expects us to do is to swim in the world without tasting worldly. Okay, without tasting worldly. And it goes on to verse 5. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he is jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? See, God wants you all to himself. Does this mean that, um, that, that we can't go out and enjoy something? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that, 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 that he wants to enjoy it with you. Does this mean that we can't go out and enjoy music? No, that's not what it means. It's just that, that God wants to enjoy music with you. See, secular music, all secular music isn't bad. The question is, can, can, can God listen to? Right? Is God clicking his finger as much as you're clicking your fingers to the tune? Like, I, I, I remember when um, I updated my car and I got a new stereo. Remember those? If you've got a car radio, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you've got a the, the car radio that maybe came from Japan and, and the bandwidth doesn't go too high, so you only can listen to a limited amount of radio stations, well, that's what kind of cars I've had for years. And one of my, my favorite radio stations was MyFam. Um, what's another one? Flavor. I still love those R&B. You know, R&B were my ra- favorite radio stations. But all of a sudden, I got got a car that I can now listen to my favorite radio stations. And you know what? What surprised me is, because it's been a long time since I've listened to music. You know, just, let's, let's be honest. It's been a long time. And I started listening to this music, and all of a sudden, all this R&B and rap music, and all of a sudden, it had a lot of missing words in it. And I realized there's missing words is because the song has coarse languages in it, and because it's for radio, they took it out. And I just couldn't listen to it. I was thinking... I love this style of music, but I just can't listen to it. It's, it just doesn't sit right with me. So I flicked it, and now, guess which is my favorite radio station? Life FM. So I'm putting a plug in for Life FM. Life FM. If you're not listening to Life FM, you need to get connected. I'm telling you what, it's amazing. It's got some good R&B music, some good rap music in there, and, it's got, and I don't have to worry about the language. It's great. You know, God, he's, he's clicking his fingers along with me as I'm listening to Life FM. It's amazing. And so, but here's the, the thing is, that he is jealous for you. God is jealous for you. Are you jealous for him? Are you jealous for God? Are you pursuing something else to satisfy you? Because when you do that, the Bible's what James says is, do you become an enemy of God? It's not like you're saying, God, you are my enemy. No, no, God is saying, you are my enemy. What are you pursuing? What is satisfying your need? Where is your life right now? We need to um, we need to evaluate our lives and, and ask this question, what's fulfilling me right now? Or is something else fulfilling me? And it goes on in verse 6, but he gives us more grace. In other words, I love this. I, I love this verse. He gives us more grace. In other words, it means this. If you have rejected him, you've rejected God all your life, you know what that means? It means that he will allow you to come back. And guess what? He will give you more grace. I love that verse. If you've, if you've never followed God before, he's saying to you, come on, if you, if you come back to him, man, he will open up the windows of heaven and give you more grace. Does anybody need more grace? I want more grace. We all need more grace and God promises to give it to you. He says, but he gives us more grace. 
That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. When you humble yourself and you quit being arrogant, He will give you more grace now. I love that. I love that. And it goes on verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love this. Because you know what this tells us? It tells us the devil is a coward. The devil was defeated at the cross by the works of Jesus and his resurrection ascendance into heaven. The devil has been defeated. He has no power over you, which means we can't say the devil made us do it because the devil can't make you do anything. He's been defeated. But what he can do is trick you. He can trick you to, into believing you that, 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 that you have no power. He can, he can trick you to, say, to make you think, well, you know, if, if I got you before, I can get you again. He's a liar. The devil is a liar. Resist him and he will run. But you know what I love? is verse 8. Love this. It says, come near to God. And what will he do? He will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. The, the reason you are married, right? If you're married out there, the reason why you're married is because you drew near to someone, right? There was an investment of nearness. You know, when I was pursuing Poro, right? I invested, I, I invested in my nearness to her. Right, I'm on the phone with her. I'm talking with her. She's trying to get away from me. Okay? She, she ran all the way to Hamilton. But I invested in her and I pursued her. This is investment in her. And, and, and this is what it's about, being, about drawing near. And I, the more I drew near, she eventually drew near to me. And here we are today. I'm, I'm glad. Thank you for drawing near to me, by the way. She drew near to me. But here, here's the thing. If there is a problem in your marriage, it's because someone has stopped drawing near. Someone has stopped drawing near. If there, if there is a problem in any kind of relationship you are in, it's because someone has stopped drawing near. Drawing near, to draw near takes purpose and action. Someone might say this, why doesn't God draw near to us anyway? Well, it's simple. He's not the one who left home. God's greatest desire is for you to come near to Him. God's greatest desire is for you to to come near to him. The devil will try to lie to you. To say that God doesn't desire you. That God doesn't want you. That's a lie. Because God's greatest desire is for you to come near to him. And he goes on. He says, wash your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, you, you, cannot draw, you cannot draw near to God unless you seriously deal with your sin. It is sin that keeps us at a distance. Now, to cleanse your hands uh, was what the priest would do to, 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 to cleanse dirt off their hands before entering sacred space. So it's a decision for us to change. We have to make a decision to change. We have to make a decision to leave our life of sin. And he goes on to verse 9. He says, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. It's this idea of brokenness. Of coming to the end of yourselves and saying, God, what was I thinking? I was doing this and I was doing that. And, and I was laughing about it. And I was parading around in my arrogance that I didn't need you, that I had this all together. But Lord, here I am. I'm wretched. 
It's about recognizing God. It's, it's about recognizing, God, I want you more than what's going on around me. I want you more than this lockdown. You are the one that fulfills me. You are the one that can take care of all my desires because God's greatest desire. Come on, you need to know this. You know, the devil's been lying to you for too long. God's greatest desire is for you to come near to him. And he goes on, James goes on to verse 11. He says this, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or, or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? I love this. Jesus was asked this question, you know, which is the greatest law? And Jesus summed up all the law. He summed it up like this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he said. And then he calls this the royal law. And he says, and so basically it's this, whenever you gossip about someone, it's like cancer that needs treatment. Otherwise it can become fatal. See, are you acting in a way that's above the law? You know, love your neighbor as you love yourself, unless their neighbor is mine. Unless their neighbor plays loud music in the middle of the night, has parties and parks their cars all over the place. Unless their neighbor is, is, is someone that, that, that doesn't mow their lawns. Unless their neighbor is someone like mine. You know, if, you, and if you're saying, well, that, that no longer applies to me. Well, what you're saying is that you're, you are above the law. And James says, you're only fooling yourself. And he goes on in verse 13. He says, now listen. In other words, you need to get real. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this and that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. See, unlike God, you are dependent. <laughs> you are not independent. God does not depend on anything for him to do what he needs to do. Because God is independent, not you. See, we need to depend on everything else in order for us to, to function and make things happen. I mean, like for instance, we all had plans this weekend, but something called COVID interrupted it. Don't misunderstand me. Don't, God is into planning. God, um, God is into, um, God is, is, is into planning. He's, he's into us knowing what's going on and, and things like that. But it's just it's us planning without Him. That's the problem because we're not independent, we're dependent. It's when we plan without God. That's the issue here. And then verse 14, it says, Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are amidst that it appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, the hospital wards are full of people who had plans for tomorrow. The cemetery is full of people who had plans for tomorrow. See, we must recognize that we're just limited. And the fact is that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We really don't know. We can make plans, but do we really know? Do we really know what's going to happen tomorrow? See, the, James says our life is short. See, as you get older, anyone getting older out there? Okay, anyone getting older? I'll, I'll notice I've got a, a few more um, gray, gray, uh, gray hairs on my eyebrows. <laughs> as you get older, time gets a lot shorter. Have you noticed that? As you get older, time gets a lot shorter. As a child, time just crept. Remember that? You're like, I can't wait till I'm a teenager. It's just time seemed to take on forever and ever and ever ever. As a youth, time walked. 
As a man, time ran. And you, I've got to do this. I've got to go to this appointment. I've got to pick up the kids for this. I've got to go to this. I've got to, uh, time just seems to run. The older I still grew, time just flew. I mean, where did all the time go? Soon I'll be passing on and time will be gone. The reason why you include God is because He knows what you don't. I am limited in what I know. You know, one time I was hanging clothes out on the line and I had one of our young people from my youth group over. Uh, and he's watching now. Henare, I know you're watching. He was over. I was hanging clothes. And, and uh, you, know, you know, the strange thing about me hanging clothes on the line, it was raining. It was raining. And Henare, he says to me, what are you hanging clothes for? It's raining. And I said to him, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith that the sun is coming up. Because see, Henare, he, his, his view was limited. He had a low view. All he could see was a cloud above him. But you know, you know what I had? I had the weather app. <laughs> and according to the weather app, the sun was coming out at 10 a.m. <laughs> and I knew that the weather app had a higher view. It had satellites could see that the sun was coming. And the reason you find yourself in the middle of the storm is because, is because you have a low view and this is all that you see. And you haven't included someone who has all the view. Because when we include God in all that we do, and then, and then when we find ourselves in the middle of the storm, guess what? He knows the way out. He has a view that you cannot see. You see a storm, He sees a way out. And this is why we've got to include God in all that we do. Big shout out to Henare out there. Thank you so much. <laughs> Verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. There's two issues here. One is the sovereignty of God. And secondly, it is your submission to God. See, are you recognizing God's will? You know, you know are we, if, if you're moving town, have we put God in there? You're like, God, I'm, I'm going to move to town, to this town. I'm going to move to the city. But Lord, is this your will for me to do this? Is it your will? I'm going to take on this new job. But Lord, is it your will? Is it your desires? I mean, how arrogant are we to leave God out of our, uh, out of our plans? How arrogant can we be? Man, God, up to this point, Lord, I'm still here today. So I thank you, Lord, that I'm still breathing. But, and I love how James ends chapter 4. This is how he ends it. He says this in verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is, it is sin for them. See, just don't, don't think of sin as just something about falling into temptation. That's what sin is. Sin isn't just that. Also see sin as resisting the will of God. Knowing the will of God and not doing it. See, you have a choice. You can arrogantly live independently of God or we can surrender ourselves to Him. What are you going to do? God, I don't need you. I'm going to do things my own way. I'm going to live my way. And that is, we can be very arrogant about that. Are we going to surrender our life to Him? So what does this mean for us? You know what this means for us? You know what this chapter means for you? It means that if you've rejected Him all your life, He will still allow you back into a relationship with Him. He says, okay, Maybe you've got this all wrong. Maybe you've spent your life pursuing other things. Maybe you've missed out on this relationship. 
But he says this. He says, that's okay. He says he will give you more grace. Will you humble yourself? Because God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Will you quit being arrogant? God's greatest desire is for you to come near to Him. God's greatest desire is for you to come near to Him. Here's the thing. We can't have it both ways. We have to choose. Do you choose the world? Or do you choose God? The choice is yours. You know, we try to have, we try to have it both ways, right? We, I, I want the things in the world, but I also believe in God. We try, to, we try to marry these things. It doesn't work. It doesn't come together. And that's why we're struggling. And that's why we find ourselves in conflict. Because we, we turn, turn to the world to fulfill us. It will never fulfill you. But there is one who will fulfill you. God's greatest desire is for you to come near to Him. If you come near to Him, He will come near to you. Here's the thing. When you submit your life to God, I love this. When I submitted my life to God, guess, guess what I noticed what, what I noticed by my own desires? My desires changed. All of a sudden, I began desiring what God desired. My heart started to break for what broke God's. And I truly understood what it meant to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love people as yourself. God's greatest desire is for you to come near to Him. 